What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy here on a Wednesday afternoon. We are very excited to be back in studio talking right now with one of the legends of our time, Mr. Jackie Chan, making a serious revenge film turn, guys. Hang with us as we break down the brand new film, The Foreigner. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, yes! Yes! We're this back! Is... Uh-huh. This is Jackie Chan's favorite song. You have a Diet Coke. I wish I'd gotten a Diet Coke now. <laughs> I do. I know, man. You, you really messed up. We got red writing on our outline today. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Dude, Things are going wild. We hit a thousand members in our Action Movie Anatomy fan page I can't today. believe it. I can't, like, we... I, I my mind's blown. So let me, let me just run something by you yes. real quick, guys. Okay. And, and, and you listening, you watching, uh, who are part of the show right now, this is kind of a crazy realization for us. So Drew and I have done the show for 100, and this is like 115 episodes or something, something in that range. Yeah. Done it for two years. We've missed like three weeks ever. and Two of them were Christmases. Yeah, and we, we tend to come in and do our work and interact online and whatnot, and then just kind of leave it. We don't, we don't like do crazy advertising, right? Yeah. We haven't spun the show off, whatever. So we tend to just look at the YouTube views. We never investigate iTunes downloads. We have we actually to be completely honest well, with you guys. Let's, let's just say that we've <laughs> tried to investigate iTunes downloads for years, but there's some weird thing with the formula and like the way it goes through popcorn talk with us. It's very hard to find. I those believe actual numbers. what it is is that uh, it, it's one channel and there are like twelve podcasts. So to get your numbers per podcast, it's difficult. You can get channel numbers, but it's hard to get actual show numbers. Got it, got it. And I think it's possible, but there's a lot of moving parts here, and we just haven't dug super deep. Point being, Andrew and I never started anything other than a Twitter. Like, like years ago, we started a Twitter. And yeah. for the AMA, and, and, we, and we interact on that Twitter sometimes, but it's difficult because Twitter is just muddled, it's full. And I honestly didn't even really know how to use Twitter for the longest time. Like, I didn't understand how to see, like, just how to use it. Yeah. Honestly, I felt, like, very old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then recently, a few of our fans, Jake Limerhammett, Eddie Green, and... Richard Eric. Richard Eric Jarvie. Yeah. Started a fan group for AMA. You guys, like, just were like, you know what? We want a place to talk to each other that isn't the live chat. Let's start a fan group. And Andrew and I were like, this is great. Our 30 favorite fans will be in here. Yeah, we were like, maybe 50 people will get in here eventually. And then we had these lovely ladies over, uh, Arena, Helena, and Sarah, I believe, over in Action Army. Yeah. I know Aixa and Jack, and there's a bunch of people in there that are really helpful. But um, it's the same thing. They started out for the Action Army page, and it was, you know, you and I really never had any idea how effective or how like rapidly it would grow the action army group was interesting because it came from the schmodown which has its own massive audience but this group in particular it just has been growing action movie anatomy and all of a sudden for us it's been live for four months and we have a thousand members in the group now that's that's more more views than some of the youtube videos get like some of the new episodes will just not track for one reason or another which means there's way more of you out there interacting with us than we thought. Yeah, it's it's because there's I mean there's so many people that are like like we've talked about this. If I was a fan of this show, I probably wouldn't create a Twitter, and I would join the the Facebook page. Yeah, but like I'm a type of person where like if I love something, I kind of like creepily watch from the wings. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're a like, lurker. You're I'm a lurker. lurker. <laughs> so like yeah, just the fact that there's so many people out there, and you guys there's there's at least three to four to five people joining every single day. It's Amazing. Yeah, we're getting we're basically getting sixty to seventy new fans a week joining that group. Yeah. And so now when we it's like I said this to Andrew yesterday. 
when we get to do something cool, when Andrew or I do something cool that relates to this show, we now actually have somewhere we can share it, where you guys are going to see it. I interviewed Gerard Butler this week. Yeah, it's and a I, great interview. And I got to post that interview in the group, and you guys got so pumped about it, because you guys all know where the Your Mike Banning line comes from, yeah. which is, like, <laughs> the best thing ever, because that's that's who knows what we're talking about. Anyway, it was very exciting to see it hit a 1,000, and uh, I'm very proud. I'm thankful to yeah. have the fans that we have. and it's, it's very humbling, and thank you guys so much. And also, I'm just going to plug this in real quick, since you've been doing it. You know, like, subscribe, comment on these videos. It helps us go higher in the standings. It helps the show uh, stay live and be as popular as it is. And also, the amount of comments that you guys have been placing lately keeps those new episodes at the top of the list. When people like uh, YouTube search the foreigner, if there's like 60 comments and eight, you know, 100 likes, people will go to this video first. We literally for two years didn't ask for likes and comments, and we asked for it three weeks ago for the first time. And I'm not kidding you, the comments have quadrupled and the likes have doubled on every video since we asked. Yeah, it's we just asked once. Sometimes you guys just need to tell us. <laughs> what the hell to do, all right? <laughs> so anyway, guys, oh. now that, that preamble's out of the way, we are going to talk about the foreign or the brand new Jackie Chan film. He's back. He's back in the States. Yes. He's not making us laugh. He uh, he says he doesn't want any trouble, but he probably wants some trouble. trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think you and I, uh, was it? Kessler that posted the the trailer in the in the group a long time ago. Something he's always on the Jackie. Yeah, he Chan loves Jackie wagon. Chan. Um, he our buddy Alex who was on the show for uh, Star Wars and he was also on for Guardians. Um, he posted this trailer a few months ago and you and I like lost our minds. It looked amazing. It looked we haven't really seen cool, yeah. Jackie Chan do anything really really super respectful in what felt like years. I don't want to. I mean, yeah, respectful in what felt like years, right? Respectful, uh, respectable, respectable. Yeah. yeah, that's that's right. That's a better word. And then Pierce Brosnan <laughs> kind of just disappeared after playing Bond. You know, he did Mamma Mia and a couple other films. He, yeah, he's been in movies for the last, like, you know, decade, but it's 15 years. It's just that they aren't movies. There hasn't been a single movie that Pierce Brosnan has done in that 15-year span that I've been like, I need to see that movie, and it became a classic. Yeah. Except for Mamma Mia for a lot of people. They love that movie. And this is literally... These are the heroes of our generation in the 90s. So Jackie Chan, Chan Bond. and Bond were the biggest badasses ever. Jet Li was a little later. Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris were a little earlier. This was like the 90s. This was our Bond. This was our action star. I was so excited. Yeah. It's, no, absolutely. We were, we were thrilled to do this movie. Not to mention it was directed by the guy who directed Casino Royale. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of really cool stuff going on with this movie. So uh, we're very excited to talk about it with you guys. Break the whole thing down for you. I should, uh, I should say, Andrew and I got so excited to do this... We also both went back and watched Rumble yeah. in the Bronx. Yes, we did. And that movie is... We're, we will do that on the show eventually. <laughs> so we'll probably do a little bit of like a third of a Rumble in the Bronx episode today. Just because yeah. that... Like, I just want to talk about that as much as I want to talk about The Foreigner. I love that movie. But uh, let's let's get everything out of the way. So guys, if you do want to follow along, you can find that Facebook fan page uh, on Facebook, Action Movie Dynamic Fan Page. You can find me personally on Twitter or Instagram at Ben Bateman Media. Please go there, interact, what have you. Uh, yeah, and you can find me at Andrew Guy. And the, the Twitter is at AMA Podcast if you want to follow the whole page. And we do share everything and post new episodes to the Twitter as well. So if you are a Twitter user and you want to get on board there, that's a great place to do it. Um, let's start out with what makes this show this show. So this is the Popcorn Talk Network. We cover action movies on the show. Those movies that are here four basic rules. Rules that were pointed out, by the way, on the Facebook group about miscongeniality. Deborah? Yeah, I think so. Debbie? I don't she have it in front of made me, an excellent claim <laughs> on how miscongeniality should be on the show, and it 100% followed all the rules and you know what i i commented on i go you know what man she's she's covered all of her bases 
100%. She's right. I called her a national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> she was, uh, Danielle Joyce. I'm so sorry. Danielle, thank you so much for making those points. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was I brilliant. Was, I was thrilled. So yeah. uh, this is the Popcorn Talk Network. We are the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, pop culture, and doing it by the bucketful. Uh, the movies we cover here are action movies. They adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. So 100% correct. Here. 100%. Jackie Chan 100% plays by his own rules. In fact... I don't even know what his name in this movie is. I literally oh, just am it, calling him yeah, Jackie Chan. It's like, yeah, it's a tough name. It's okay. a very tough name. It's okay, like a three, it. like a hyphenated, like Chinese name. Yeah, I, I'm trying to toe the line of being respectful. The book's called the Chinaman. No, it, they yeah, call the book him is the, Chinaman. the Chinaman, and he's called the Chinaman. It's okay, man. I'm 100 percent Asian. I've got your back. I know you're not trying to be offensive. Um, I, I will, I will take the fall for these. I'm uh, still not going to say it. Don't say it. <laughs> uh, rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. That, now, this could be people, beings, dinosaurs, things, what have you. Um, it's it's weird because it doesn't entirely feel like Pierce Brosnan is the villain. He is and he isn't. Yeah, he, he definitely doesn't. Um, he's actually more like an anti-hero because at the end of the day, he's he isn't really the one that did the thing. I mean, he kind of did wrong, you know? Like, he definitely did wrong. He, Let's he, he say set that. the car in motion, yeah. but uh, he tried to hit the brakes before the crash happened. Exactly. So, uh, I guess he does play... I mean, is he the smartest, though? I don't think he is. I, I also think feel Brosnan like he's is. not the smartest guy in the room. On the other hand, who is the smartest villain in the room in, the, in this case? I think I think Brosnan has to it be... It has to be Brosnan. Yeah, he knows what's going on. Because he figures everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That works yeah. for me. Rule number three, the movie is driven by police, military, or political figure, uh, or this can be mercenary. Jackie Chan's ex-military, you know? He yeah. is, 100%. Absolutely. Quan Yuk Min. Q-U-A-N space N-G-O-C and then Min. Jackie we'll Chan's him, name is Quan. We'll call him Quan. Okay, show me the Quan. <laughs> show uh, me Quan. Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Well, he's like... <laughs> The number of bombs he sets in this movie... It's its amazing. <laughs> it's so sweet. It's so badass. And, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, my fist pump almost was when he was making the first bomb in the, yeah. in the, in the bathroom because yeah. it was just, like, it was so badass. Tense. Yeah, and like, I, the I bottles, he's, he's just got groceries. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> he, like... There was, like, a small element to this movie that was, like, watching MacGruber for me. Because because <laughs> he's, like, so old. <laughs> because he's, like, old, and it's, like, ridiculous, and it's also, like, it's Jackie Chan, and he's, like, setting bombs in bathrooms. There was but, definitely like, a sweet moment when, like, that his his lady, Lamb, or whatever yeah, her name is, yeah, she, yeah. like, turn around and turn back, and he was, like, downstairs, and, like, yeah. the car was starting, and I thought about, like, old Jackie Chan running as fast <laughs> as he could through the house, and I yeah. laughed, and I was like, all right. I also love, like, but I also love, like, the, the other part that makes it feel like MacGruber is, like, you killed my dog, and he's like, you killed my dog? He's like, it's just sleeping. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're like, why are we doing this right <laughs> yeah. now? I was like, MacGruber's like, I don't kill dogs. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like... Yeah, I, well, the thing is, is that you know that if he killed the dog... It would have been a horrible move in the movie. Yeah, horrible. You can never kill dogs. Horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah T, spoiler alert, that's my favorite line in the movie through and through. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. great. It's just sleeping? Yeah, no question. <laughs> and then um, the next scene, it's out running around. Yeah. So, uh, guys, before we get into the trailer today, we are going to be talking about... Did you cover the explosion? You did say Yes, it. I did. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be getting into fist pump moment and favorite line. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite actors playing against type at certain points in their mm. careers, as well as how the mighty have fallen. Some of our favorite actors growing up and seeing them in roles later in their careers where you're just like, oh, man, what happened? Or uh, yeah. times have changed. Or you, you just got older, and we have to learn to appreciate you in a new light. Uh, whatever it is, we're going to talk about some of our favorite examples of these things. But before we do and get into thesis statement, let's cue up the trailer to the foreigner. Great trailer. 
This was the movie, by the way. Do you remember when we were doing those tests for that movie show we were gonna do? And there was a piece of news about a bomb that went off in a movie that Jackie Chan was on a bridge? Oh, on the London Bridge, and everyone freaked out in London. That's this movie. That was the that was the bridge bomb. Wow. <laughs> time travel or time flies, huh, bro? Yeah, seriously. How we do things here. Hello, Mr. Hennessy. He's here again. That's five days in a row now. What does he want? His daughter was killed in the bombing. Mr. Hennessy, please find out the names of the bombers. I work for the government, not terrorists. You used to work for them. I don't know who the bombers are. I don't believe in you. It's him. It's him. You would tell me the names of the bombers. They kill me on Tuesday. He's trained. Sweet trailer. Yeah. Maybe special forces. Give me the names of the bosses. He just wants you to know he can. Do you? Somebody say a prayer for me. They did show a little bit too much action in the trailer of like a lot of the sweet shit he does in the movie. Pretty much convinced already this is a better trailer than the movie is. <laughs> I can agree with that. He's an old man running circles around a lot of us. Yeah. Open it up. Yeah. They do show a lot. Yeah, like almost all. Like the fact that they show that and the yeah. gun in the bag. Yeah. You have no idea who you're dealing with. Or even just showing him fighting the terrorists. Yeah. You know that he's gonna survive the whole movie, basically. Totally. Yes, I do. Except I think you. One of the strongest points about movies like this is that your hero can die. And you almost think they're going to. Revenge movies, you mean. Revenge movies, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right, because he's lost his daughter. And you know you know, based on just, like, life and the way life works that killing these terrorists is not going to make him feel any better. No. So you, it's okay for him to die in the movie because he's not looking for peace. He's doing something that is not, you're not supposed, like... He's just looking for revenge and then probably just to die. Exactly. Uh... Great trailer, and I do agree that it's probably another one of those moments where, I mean, because I, I know I like this movie a little bit more than you do because I have a strong affection for revenge films in general. Yes, sure. But I do definitely agree that it kind of fell flat, um, and I do I do think that the trailer might be better than the film as a whole. I, like, certainly enjoyed this movie, uh -huh. and it's also the kind of movie that, like, this is a this is a classic when it's on cable and I'm at a bar in five years. I will watch with my beer in my hand and not turn away from the TV. Like, yeah, I will, for sure. I will be engaged the whole movie in the same way that if Born Identity is on, I'll watch it. Like, this is not a good movie like Born Identity is a good movie, mm -hmm. but this is a super entertaining movie, and I like the two leads a lot, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jarvie, our boy, also one of the people that started the page, was saying that that was actually his first thesis. The trailer is way better than the film for him. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, it, it has its moments. I mean, I, it's so difficult. You know... We live, we, we talk about this a lot, and I honestly think we're getting into sort of the next generation. You know, we talked about Redbox generation a lot and mm -hmm. how what the last 10 years of films being released and the digital distribution change, what it's looked like and how it's so hard to tell anymore what is a major release and what's not. This movie is one of those ones that really toes the line where you're sort of like, if I saw this movie on Netflix tomorrow and I never heard about it being released. You would believe it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. No. 
And I don't know that I'd watch it. And if you went and watched it, you wouldn't be surprised at its production and being like, wow, this is really good for a Netflix movie. You'd be like, this is perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's only the fact that it was produced with a trailer running on television during sports games, like Mm -hmm. a big time release. You know, the marketing dollars are there that made this movie feel like there was a a higher expectation. Now, the headline yesterday of Netflix releasing 80 original films next year really kind of turns on on our head the expectation. I, I saw a discussion in the, the uh, Schmodown Facebook group about Schmodown traditionally refers to theatrically released movies. What's going to happen now as places like Netflix and Amazon are going to be starting to release streaming films. 80 movies a year with B-plus A-list actors in them, I bet. The Irishman, Scorsese's movie that's yeah. going to star Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci is a Netflix movie. Yeah, that's that's going to be next year. So now that we're at that point, it really does sort of make you consider, I think we're entering the next phase where... You know, and Jarvie again here, I mean, apparently it's just his show today, he asks, uh, will you guys be doing the movie Bright on the show with Will Smith directed by David Ayer, which is a Netflix movie? And it's like, I don't know, because I don't know anything about it, but it's like a David Ayer movie directed, I mean, a David Ayer directed movie starring Will Smith yeah. sounds like a movie. I am, um, you know? I, yeah, I've heard, I've read a little bit about that movie. Uh, I think we'll probably tackle it the same way we tackle most things. You know, and honestly... I think you and I are kind of in agreement now about where we're at with the movies we're doing on this show, where we've yeah. done 100 plus, and it, it is beginning to feel like there's, there isn't the wealth of old movies that we necessarily are dying to cover anymore, mm-hmm. and so we find ourselves covering a lot of new movies. I wouldn't be surprised if the format of our show starts to change a little bit going forward, and we become a little bit more news-centric, <clears throat> because there's so many movies, there's so much movie news that I think you and I definitely want to talk about, Yeah, that I wouldn't be surprised if we start to sort of change it up, because I do think the loyal audience that watches this show would rather just have us talk about generally awesome movie stuff and cover great movies than constantly looking for a movie to cover. Yeah, it's like... Um... You know, we don't ever want to get to that point of just doing quantity over quality. And if it turns into a thing where we're just doing action movies because that's the name of the show. And, um, you know, The Foreigners is nice because it's not quite there. Yeah, yeah. But it could be there. Exactly. You know? Um, it could almost get there. So I, I completely agree. And I think that there's more than enough movies that come out. Like, we could do The Snowman, yeah. Snowman on the show. It's not an action movie. It's probably a drama thriller, a crime yeah. thriller. But, like... We would be able to cover all these bases. We'd have a thesis, a fist pump. We'd be able to talk about everything. It would be the same general idea. Yeah, I do wonder if there's a way that we could do both shows. If we could find some way to be, you know, you know, I've talked before about sort of an action movie news show. But Mm. the issue there is that neither of us really want to talk about the news of the new Wesley Snipes martial arts film. Because, like, that's just not where our heads have ever been at. Right. We've always wanted to talk about good movies. So, anyway, guys, just food for thought. But the point is, I do think this movie signifies exactly where we're at now. Where the the size of the names of Brosnan and Chan and the fact that it's Martin Campbell, it puts us in this weird position where like we feel like this movie is more legit than it is. Because you know, I went and I watched this movie with uh, a friend of mine, and she was saying that it it just felt like a B movie. Like it felt like she said it felt like you were watching. Like, this movie was beneath them. And it wasn't because it wasn't a good movie. Right. Because she enjoyed it. But it was more so like like what you're talking about. It's like when you see Panero, Panero and Dicino, uh, De Niro and Pacino in a, in a straight-to-DVD film. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? Right. This doesn't make any sense. But all of a sudden, Netflix makes it okay. I, I, I agreed. And that's kind of why I came up with the How the Mighty Have Fallen. I didn't, I didn't feel that way as much. Yeah. But I know watching it, a lot of people could feel that. Absolutely. So uh, let's get into the first part of our show here that we do every week. And this is Thesis Statement, guys. So this is our big, bold thought about the film. Whatever the film really makes you think about, 
should be rooted in hyperbole. The greatest, this, the only this, the best example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it should never been, you know, should never be. This is my favorite Jackie Chan movie that I've seen. Uh, it really should be rooted in something that you feel like most people would agree with you on. You want to make this point at a party, and you want the party to agree with you. Um, and I'm yeah. going to jump in first, and I'm just going to say, watching Pierce Brosnan in this film made me realize that James Bond was the worst thing to ever happen to his career. That is so interesting that you say that because my thesis is also about Pierce Brosnan and I completely agree with you. And how do you even say that? You you know, because being Bond is the coolest damn thing you can ever ever. be. Like after watching this movie, I went home and I was, I was uh, talking to say about, um, uh, Casino Royale in the opening chase scene. I was like, Martin Campbell directed that as well. The same guy that directed The Foreigner. She's yeah. like, what? Yeah. The guy that directed Casino Royale directed The Foreigner. It doesn't seem right. And Vertical Limit and Green Lantern. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And as soon as that first scene comes on in Casino Royale, you can just see the production value higher. It's just cleaner. Of crisper. The light is better. And it it was one of those things that I totally lost my point. I totally forgot what You're I was You're talking about say. Pierce Brosnan and what my thesis made you think about with uh, him being Bond and it being the worst thing that ever oh, happened to him. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know, man. I, keep going with your thought, and I'll, I'll see if I can pick mine back up. Okay, yeah, so basically the, the, the premise of, of the thesis is that, you know, aside from the fact that we watched GoldenEye in 1995, and I think we've all talked about this and we all agree, oh, the video game... I remember. It was just that watching Daniel Craig be Bond was like the coolest thing ever. ever. That's all it was. And watching, to be totally fair, Pierce Brosnan be Bond for those years was also the coolest thing ever. He was great. He mm-hmm. was, to us, in our time, with that time in our life, he was the Bond we wanted. We and, loved him. And I still think he's the best-looking Bond. He looks like Bond the best for me. Yeah, he feels and sounds in all the ways that you want Bond to feel and sound like Bond. So he, he definitely got to be that. But when you go back and you watch Goldeneye, it's a super entertaining movie, but it's not particularly good. The other three are Campbell all... directed that as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. The other three are all bad. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day are all very bad movies. And mm-hmm. you look at his career prior to that... He fits the bill of the guys that became Bond, right? He fits the bill. He's the guy that he had done, you know, BBC and television and smaller movies for about 10 years. And he gets to be Bond all of a sudden. Like, he did Lawnmower Man in 1992. Everybody, you know, that was like a a hit sci-fi movie. And then all of a sudden. Fire in 95? No, it was earlier. It's before this. I think Doubt Fire is like 93. Okay. Um, But yeah, like, you know, he's he's a guy. He's a name. He had been in some stuff in the same way that Craig was in, you know, Road to Perdition in Munich. And then all of a sudden, he's Bond. Yeah. And we watch him, we're like, oh, this guy, he, he's so great. Flash forward to his Bond career ending seven years later, and what did he do in the 15 years to follow? He, uh, what, like Thomas Crown Affair that's happened during. in the middle of it. Same with Dante's Peak. Those are all, those are all during he the did Bond run. Mamma Mia. Which is a classic to some people. Right, but I've, you know... Yeah, and, and then, then like some other weird B movies, right? He did the Matador. He oh, did like, and you like the Matador? Yeah, it's good. He's in like movies like you know It, and he's in like that movie Remember Me, which was the only Robert Pattinson movie to come out during you know during the Twilight run. But like he he should have been a megastar. And this yeah. movie, what this movie does is makes you realize and remember how good of an actor he actually is. He he like was one of these guys who should have been primed to have just an epically awesome career. And it's because of Bond. It's because once you become Bond, you can't be anything else for a while. Yeah. Because you just see Bond. Unless you're one of those people that is... I mean, I don't know. Has anyone really done it while they're Bond? They've done it while they're doing other things. Da- Damon did a pretty good job while he was born. There's other people that have done it. Cruz did it while he's, you know, Ethan Hunt. But that's because it's two decades, essentially. Yeah. 
it's really important that when you are pigeonholed, Downey's doing a pretty good job of it, of just being Iron Man. You, you got to remember to like let the audience know that you can do other things. Because right. once Pierce Brosnan was Bond, I didn't want to see him do anything else. And when right. I saw him in Mrs. Doubtfire, I hated him. Yeah. You know, because it was just so not right for me. Totally. So I'm going to hop on the back of your thesis. And mine's also about Pierce Brosnan. I had, I had like three theses. Sigh. The first one, the sigh, is that the nephew in this film, the storyline is completely irrelevant. You cut it out. The movie's 20 minutes shorter. You make one of the henchmen sleep with his wife. It's perfect. It's a 90-minute movie as opposed to an hour 57. Exactly. It's clean. It's tighter. The storyline, whatever. That was my first one, but I think we all can just figure that out. Number two is that... um, what was my second one? Oh, Jackie Chan is the reason I love martial arts. Like, growing up, I was a huge martial arts fan. We've talked about this a lot on the show. I watched Chuck Norris and Jet Li a lot growing up, but they were just a little before my time. Jackie Chan was funny, exciting. He was new, and he was a badass, and he used all these cool things to fight with. It wasn't just straight martial arts. Yeah. So he was the reason I fell in love. But the thesis I came up with right before you said yours, and I remember walking out and talking to Say about this, this is a Pierce Brosnan film. Yeah, totally. It's not a Jackie Chan film. No. It's a Pierce Brosnan film. He gets all the best scenes. He gets all the best scenes, and like, if we're talking about whose career is going to benefit the most from this movie... Yeah. Chan's, maybe. No. Campbell, down. Yeah. Brosnan, through the roof. Yeah, it's true. If you he watch this movie... He looks good. Yeah. He acts well. Yeah, he uh, he definitely, you know, he's gained a little weight. Yep. He's, he's definitely a little older. Uh, not like in the getting fat way, more like in the... He's in his 50s and would have to be doing sort of remarkable things with his body to stay super lean and mean kind mm-hmm. of a way. Yeah. But yeah, I think his performance here is great. I think he, he drives the movie. The one thing is that, you know, he is basically, you know, James Bond is basically Jackie Chan's bitch in this movie. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is like a really hard thing for us to watch totally. being 90s babies. Yeah. So uh, before we get into fist pump moment, why don't we talk a little bit about that, how the money have fallen. Uh, yeah. Let's get to that segment because I think it relates exactly to what we're talking about. <laughs> I think that's such a perfect way to put it that James Bond was Jackie Chan's bitch in this movie. Yeah. And you as a kid, you're watching it, you're like, huh? Yeah. No. No. You know? No. Uh, I, will, I, will go- I will hop in with one right now. It's my favorite one that I thought of. It was the first time I saw Val Kilmer in Deja Vu. Ah. I was heartbroken. Yeah. Because yeah. I loved Kilmer growing up. Yeah. Loved him. I didn't really see Heat, but I knew he was in it. I loved The Saint. I loved everything. I even yeah. loved Batman Forever. You loved Ghost in the Darkness? I loved Ghost in the Darkness. And then I went and saw Deja Vu, with, Deja Vu with my family over the holidays when it came out in theaters. And I like, I was like, Mom, <laughs> Mom, is that Val Kilmer? She's like, oh, my God, he got so fat. And I was like, oh, my God, he got so fat. I was devastated. But it's not all about weight. And I don't want to sound like a douchebag because Kilmer owned the shit out of it and he went and did MacGruber and it is the greatest thing he's ever done in his career and I would never ever want him to go back so Kilmer's one of those guys where he embraced the latter half of his career in this way that I he didn't become A-list mainstream again he just became Mm -hmm. he just became a little bit of a joke and but still lovable and honest to God, he's one of those guys that I think I could imagine seeing a press blast for a movie he was in for some B movie that got a that got a red carpet that I would go and I oh. would get the interview because because he's not that famous anymore and it would be an epic interview. Oh, it would be one of the great. I mean, I love. I mean, Gil- Kilmer is one of the best like best friends or a very good friend of Williams. He went to Juilliard as well. Like he's yeah. a very talented man as yeah. well. So oh, yeah. I, I respect that. Well, who else you got on your list uh, for How the Money Have Fallen? Yeah, uh, for me it has to be uh, Righteous Kill when we saw Pacino and De Niro in the movie for the first time. I have that written down. Yeah, because I saw it in theaters. So here's what I distinctly remember: the movie 88 minutes comes out, right? And it's the Pacino movie, and it's like this like 
you know, this is the front end of Redbox generation. This is like 08 probably. So mm-hmm. it was like, okay, like Pacino's still, if he's in a movie, it's still like a movie I should be aware of. Like this is not, he wasn't doing movies yet where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's whatever. Like right. he was still pretty famous. And I remember 88 Minutes came out and it had a bunch of actors I recognized and I saw it and it was horrible. It was an awful movie. And then all of a sudden, a year later, another movie comes out from the same director, mind you, that it looks very similar on the cover, but this time right. it's got De Niro and Pacino, and they're billing it as this is the first movie they've been in together since Heat, since 1995, 13 years ago. And I saw Righteous Kill in theaters, and it was just it's horrible, awful, unwatchably bad, unwatchably bad. And yeah. I and didn't it, they also do the boxing one too? Uh, that was uh, just De Niro, Stallone, and, and De, Niro. De Niro. Yeah, grudge match, grudge match. Yeah, but this, it was just one of those moments where you're just like, man, you know, I, I just wish that, I wish that the uh, the Irishman had been made 10 years ago, and I wish that it starred them, and that was the first thing they had been in since Heat, and that Scorsese had done that movie then, and it wasn't, and Righteous Kill happened, and it'll never be undone. Right. Yeah, and, and guys, this is this is a conversation, I'm, I'm reading the chat here, and it's not about when people peaked because people peak at different points in their careers and they can still have great moments in their career. It's really about when you saw someone do something and, and your image of them was kind of really tarnished. Um, a great example that I have is Sean Connery in The Avengers. Yeah. Not The Avengers Avengers for Marvel, The Avengers with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes where Sean Connery actually dies. He's the villain in it. Spoiler alert. Um, it was just one of those things. Like This movie looked kind of cool. Uma was like Uma and Rafe were kind of like on their way up. Connery was still a huge thing, and the Nightless movie would come out in like 96 or 98, I think. 97, I would guess. And, um, and it was just one of those where you watched it, and you were like, wow. Because I watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I still like Connery in that. But I watched this, and I was just like, man, there's Bond, and it just kind of sucks to watch you do this now. I mean, and look, you, you know, the, the bottom line is when we grew up we thought that the way it worked was that if you're this big actor you pick your roles and you get to you know decide how it goes but mm-hmm. you don't you you take what's sort of given to you and you even if you're a huge star you still have to decide the role you're going to take because you can only do a few movies a year yeah and even movies that you think are going to be great can tank i mean look at leto in chapter 23 yeah i mean know? you know you think it's a good project you think it's a good role for you maybe the script gets changed on set maybe they cut a lot of your best scenes out the editors are horrible the marketing campaign's bad i mean warrior completely bombed in theaters yeah. they hated it. the guys behind that movie hated the trailer they hated the trailer and you know it's now it obviously racked up a cult following but yeah i think uh, I, I remember that one I, you know i think some some others i never said that kilmer was at his best in deja vu i said that when i saw kilmer again in deja vu was the moment that my heart kind of broke yeah it's very different <laughs> <laughs> kilmer's at his best in in uh in mcgruber yeah um but yeah and i mean because that's the other thing is like we talked about newman recently in road to perdition yeah you know it's like newman basically leaves the acting scene he does three movies between 1994 and 2002 and he's excellent in all three of them nobody's fool oscar nomination twilight mm-hmm. underrated movie and road to perdition 2002 another oscar nom final movie that he does the guy does three movies in 12 years he's an elderly man at that point and there's no part of me that loses any respect for him at that point in his career no and and it's it's really tough because it's like it's not like we're losing respect for these people you just kind of lose a little bit of they lose a little bit of their like shine i guess because i still respect these people to the utmost but it is true like you know other people are talking about jim carrey going to a flop and it's like when i saw the majestic it was it was really rough it was a really bad movie movie? yeah and then like you know Sandler is just one of those that kind of just fell from grace after his like first five movies. It was like yeah. everything else he did after that was just kind of progressively flop. worse. So again, this is not a, a, a segment where we just want to like talk about how bad people become because we still really enjoy these people. But just those roles that really stand out that when you watched it, you were like, damn, 
I really just wish you didn't do that, man. Well, yeah, and look, we talk about that it's not their fault. There is the other part of it here that's super important to remember, which is that for a lot of actors that have been doing it for a long time, it becomes a payday. They take an easy part in a movie because it's a paycheck. And and that's the thing that kills me, and that's where a lot of these bad roles will happen. It's, you know, if they make one bad movie, it's one thing. If they go on a a whole run in their career where it's all bad, it's totally different. And our, our buddy Matthew Kearns in the Action Movie Anatomy fan page, guys, if you go look at it on, on Facebook <laughs> right now, already made a graphic for uh, Ben's quote for The Foreigner. Bond uh, is Jackie Chan's bitch. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that that's I think that's a really important thing to remember is like you look at a guy like, you know, I heard a, I heard a story and, and we're harping on this a long time. We should move on yeah, pretty yeah. soon here. But I heard a story from an old uh, friend of ours. Uh, he's an actor and he was talking about being an extra on Ocean's 13. Hmm. And that Pacino, you know, he's in Ocean's 13, and uh, Pacino didn't know any of his lines, apparently. And he wa- he took a phone call during a take. His phone went off during a take. Oh, yeah. And that he could just tell he was lit- just phoning it in. Just, mm-hmm. like, hadn't learned his lines, totally disinterested, didn't care. And what's crazy to me about that is, like, that's what happens to these guys if they don't respect their craft till the very end is they shit like that happens. Yeah. You get lucky and you get to be Al Pacino who just gets to be in Ocean's 13, but then you get to be Al Pacino who's in 88 minutes righteous kill, two for the money, all these movies that just and it just gets worse and worse. Even Peter O'Toole and Troy, yeah, gave that character so much respect yeah. that when you watch it you're like that's a great actor doing what he does best in a mediocre film. Yeah, totally. And it was just it was just a beautiful moment. So um yeah, guys, let us know if there's any people that we missed or that you really like saw and you were like, "Damn, that sucks, man." Harrison Ford came to the Crystal Skulls, Bill Pullman with the when he comes back in Resurgence, like yeah. this is a bad one. So should we uh should we get in a fist pump? Yeah, let's get in a fist pump moment, one. guys. This is the moment where something happens. You look around, you're like, "Are you watching this right now? This is so awesome." Oh god, I'm pumped I get to watch the rest of this movie. Uh you want to jump in first? Uh yeah. So I have I I had a couple and my first the first like action one was when he double chest kicks the nephew and he flies up into the tree yeah, branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in the show, like, holy shit. Like yeah. in the theater I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it was so awesome. But my true fist pump where I like looked around and I was like, yes. Yeah. Was when Chan lights the picture of his family on fire. Oh, you're like, it's about I to was get like, real. He's literally burning the evidence <laughs> that he used to have a family. Oh my God, he's going to go crazy. Yeah, that, there was two for me. I had one just like that. Yeah. The one just like that's the, the obvious one where Brosnan's sitting there reading the file. It's like, old picture of Jack Chan. He's like, soldier, one of the best operatives, one of the best killers. Hand-hand combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, he's like, I'm in trouble. That's, <laughs> that was, I love that one. But my other one, my actual just like, oh, shit was when Jackie Chan smashed the TV over that dude's head in the final fight. I said that, too. I went, holy shit, again. It was so awesome. It was just one of those things where you're just like, he just, like, picks the TV up, and he's been, like, kind of peaceful throughout a lot of the movie, like, warning yeah. bombs. He doesn't want to kill anyone. And he just straight up just levels the dude with, like, a 55-inch flat screen. Amazing. Loved that moment. Jackie Chan is such a <laughs> badass. Someone asked, like, is it more impressive that he's doing his stunts now or or because he's so old and the ones he used to do? And it's really tough. Because yeah. the stunts he used to do were insane. He would jump from like building to building and break his ankle. You, you watch Rumble in the Bronx, you see all the outtakes afterwards, or do you not have that version? No. In most all of Chan's movies in the 90s, as soon as the movie would end, they would go right into B-roll, and it would show basically him doing all of his stunts and always getting hurt. He breaks his ankle when he jumps onto that platform, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I and so there. like, I definitely think the stuff he did when he was younger was more impressive, because as a kid... You would watch the movie and then you would see those outtakes and you were like, this guy's a real action star. Yeah. He breaks his ankles, he gets hit in the face, he gets hurt, he does all of his own fighting. Like, he's a hero. So, 
I, I love both of his stunts, but I think as a younger man, it was more impressive for me. Jackie Chan and Tom Cruise need to be in a movie together. Oh my god! It needs to be a movie where where basically Tom Cruise has to go to China or something like that on like a business trip, but it's like a to- total covert operation yeah. where he's got to basically kill a bunch of dudes to like bury some story. Right? He makes like some billionaire or whatever. Jackie Chan is like a business associate who's his escort, and they're like a team. Yeah, they team up okay. in China, and he's like taking them on the streets, and it's like real serious. And they're like a team together, and they like develop an uncommon friendship, kind of like the serious version of Rush Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine the two of them doing like an action movie together? The stunts, mid fifty-five and sixty-two, doing their own stunts together. I am. I like am dying to see. You're this. getting like I'm hot, like right? hot, I'm like very excited <laughs> that this is not a real thing. God. Damn it. Uh, uh, all right. Um, so that's you got. We got both of those. We move into uh, star profiles. Yeah, you know, I think what we're gonna do here is be a little quick about this part of the show. We got um, about what twenty five minutes left. Yeah, something like that. We got about twenty. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's let's do this. So yeah, star profiles. We get into uh, Chan hasn't really been working in a way that. Um, hasn't been working in a way that it, that was relevant to me. Like it hasn't been on my radar. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, and the movies he's been working on most recently were uh, the Nut Job Two, Nutty, Nutty by, Nature. by Nature, Kung then, Fu Yoga, yeah, and Railroad Tigers, which I know nothing about any of them. I looked them all up and I don't remember anything. Yeah, the thing you guys have to remember and, and and take into account is that Jackie Chan is not an American action star. We think he is because of the Rush Hour franchise and the fact that he had a big career in the two thousands, but. His bread and butter has been in China for forever, so it's a good chance that the movies he's making are very successful. We're just they're just not on our radar because they're not marketed towards American audiences. The last movie that Jackie Chan was in that was, that was marketed to me that I was aware of was that movie Dragon Blade because it had like John Cusack and like a pretty big cast. Oh my god, I remember it was that like movie. two or three years ago. Oh wait, the Dragon Emperor. No, it was called Dragon Blade. It's from like two years ago. Oh, that's Jet Li that I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were doing press on it. It had gotten good reviews. Uh, I didn't see it, but that was the last one that was on my radar. Whereas Pierce Brosnan, 2016, is IT, a Christmas star in 2016, and the only living boy in New York in 2017. Only living boy in New York, I remember. Um, that was There was press on that movie that I was reading about, um, and I didn't see either of the other two. So I would say both of them are sort of at the correct point to do a movie like this. Yeah. Not at a moment right now where the world is, you know. But I but I did see, you know, Pierce Brosnan was on uh, the Today Show uh, doing an interview about this. Yeah. So, you know, they're doing, they're doing the correct press for it. Yeah, I mean, they're doing the, th- I mean, no matter how old you get and how long you've been around this business, you got to always do the work. And we talk about that a lot on our show. And these guys are, you know, Brosnan seems like, I, it almost feels like Chan might not care that much, but I'm sure he still does, and I'm sure that he knows he could just go to China and always just be the like a a king essentially. Yeah. Whereas Brazen, he's probably looking at this and going, "This is my chance to kind of come back or disappear. This is my moment. This is the turn where either I become someone that is remembered or I kind of just disappear over the next ten years." I mean, this movie had a TV campaign, which is like a major difference that yeah. people don't really realize anymore. Is you know, I work on Sundays at DirecTV. I do uh, I do stats research for fantasy football. I've talked about this on here before. So I watch every game on Sunday simultaneously. So every feed that you have going on, if you're watching the local regional broadcast of the game, they're going on at the same time. So nine games in the morning at once. Yeah. Which means if there's a movie being promoted, I will see the trailer run 40, 50 times in a morning. Um, and I'll just see it peripherally out of my eye, the corner of my eye. So I'll be very aware of which movies are getting the, the big mainstream American press because obviously that's where they're going to advertise it is football and basketball yeah. and things you know live that's stuff the type of audience that would be watching well because it's event driven television where people have to watch the ads because it's live sports whereas the rest of it's just dvr so this is a movie that had a full campaign 
And I think, you know, Brosnan probably realizes that. And, and you know, I'm sure that's why he's doing, you know, Good Morning and, you know, he's doing uh, Today Show. So anyway, let's uh, let's continue moving through this. Yeah. Should we just kind of breeze through here? Maybe just talk mainly about uh, the Campbell? writer and director? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good plan. So um, Martin Campbell, you know, a guy that's known for having been the, the director of Vertical Limit. We mentioned Goldeneye, Casino Royale, uh, Green Lantern. You know, he's had a pretty successful career overall. He's done a lot of good work. A lot of people things have seen. Um, he did The Mask of Zorro. You know, it's another one. I love one. that movie so much. He's, like, had a pretty sweet career overall. I, I, I like the guy. He's a director whose name is on my radar. Um, the writer of this film, David Marconi, based this book on a book called The Chinaman by Stephen Leather. Mm-hmm. Um, Marconi's been doing stuff in Hollywood since 92, Broke out with a film called Harvest that he wrote and directed himself. Uh, he has written a couple other movies that you would know. Live Free or Die Hard in 07. He wrote Enemy of the State. The film Collision, remember a few years ago, the one that came out. It actually Something came out familiar. two years ago, I think. It had Nicholas Holt and Felicity Jones. Oh, yeah. It was one of those movies just like we were talking about. Big cast. Probably sucked. Got a TV campaign because she was in Rogue One. They they pulled it and decided to release it then. Mm-hmm. I never saw it, but uh, he you know he wrote that. He's a guy that looks like he he works a decent amount. Um, he's yeah he's been a producer a little bit. That's kind of his story. Yeah, he's producing. Uh, he produced the contract in 2016 and the Foreigner. Yes. Um, the other notables here, you know, talking about producers. Chan's one of the producers. You've got a few guys. Every producer on this film works. That's one thing that was interesting, including the EPs and everything. There was like, you know, the usual 22 producers or whatever. The five main credited producers are the PGA. You have Jackie Chan, Wayne Mark Godfrey, and D. Scott Lumpkin are both guys who, they have they have movies you'd know for sure. They're yeah. totally in the realm of movies where like, one guy did a bunch of like, he did Arsenal, the movie with Shaq and, and Cage. Like, a yeah, yeah, bunch yeah. of, and some good movies too. It's a sweet reference. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Marshall and Arthur M. Sarkeesian, though, are the guys that are on your on your radar. <coughs> Sarkeesian directed or he uh, produced the Rush Hour trilogy. Yeah, yep. So that's that's the big thing there, and he also started his career out with uh, While You Were Sleeping. Now the other guy, Bullock. Jamie Marshall, which just this is cool. He produced Twilight No Eight, Warrior in 2011. Oh, yeah, he produced Warrior uh, and, and Out of the Furnace, right? Out of the Furnace in 2013. Is that the Bale one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I thought it was cool that he did Warrior. So uh, he's uh, I'm sure I'm sure he knows. You know, we have mutual friends with that guy. I'm sure. Um, yeah, but uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much the story there. So let's move directly from there into critical box office. Yeah, and this is super fun, and this is one of those things where our buddy Kessler is just like, "I told you, I showed you," you know. Like, uh, so this is produced. Shut up, Kessler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, STX Entertainment cost thirty five million dollars to make. It was released on October thirteenth, twenty seventeen. It only grossed twelve million dollars in its opening weekend in the states, but it also grossed eighty eight million dollars worldwide opening weekend for a grand total of one hundred and one. Do you know in its a, opening weekend? You know who has a deal with STX Entertainment and does uh, films for them? Who? Brant Pinvidich. He was our oh, guest really? on uh, John Wick 2. Yeah, Brant. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, they're, um, they're a newer company. I don't really recognize that name. Yeah, they lot. do. They do like quite, you know, some pretty big stuff. And uh, so it opened third, which <sighs> I don't even care that it opened third. It opened third behind, uh, it opened third at 12 million behind Happy Death Day at 26 and Blade Runner in week two at 15. Yeah. I am not okay with Happy Death Day making more money than Blade Runner. In its second week. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting. I it's saw, just so crazy. I thought that movie was going to go up. I saw someone, uh, Tony Morrow, a longtime fan of the show, <laughs> tweeted <laughs> one, one of his uh, his controversial tweets that he'll sometimes throw out there. Who is this? Tony Morrow. Oh, yep, our buddy. Uh, and he's, it, the, the tweet said, the reason Blade Runner flop is because nobody gives a shit about Blade Runner. They don't, they don't now, and they never did. <laughs> um, which is like, 
I it's would like, get, I would definitely, get, <laughs> I would definitely use different verbiage. I would get angry about the comment if the movie hadn't totally flopped. And the bottom line is, it's just what we talked about last week. Yeah, hard sci-fi. It, 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 there was some idea that the studios had that if we put gigantic stars in this movie and we put a great director behind it, that somehow the hype and the cult classic nature of this movie would propel this into a franchise. Yeah, and like that's kind of what I said on the show last week is that I think that Blade Runner is the greatest thing to happen to sci-fi since I've been born or in my lifetime. And I, I still truly believe that because I think what's going to happen now that Denis Villeneuve took that and made a, an epic the way that he did is like maybe other great directors. I mean, he wants to do it again with Dune. Yeah. You know, so maybe other great directors will start doing this and it may, it'll be the change. Yeah. It'll be that moment. But... You know, I, I like I said, I don't really like the verbiage, but I think you're right, Tony. So um, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't like the way you said it, but it's true. It's like the world, other than film nerds, the world doesn't care about Blade Runner. And you and I are film nerds that don't really care about Blade Runner. Yeah, it's true. Uh, unfortunately, and I mean now I love the new one. So uh, moving forward, back to the foreigner. Critically, this movie got a seven point four on IMDb, which I think is pretty accurate if you're going like seventy per like seventy four percent. But as for a seven point four on IMDb, it feels a little high for their scale. Fair. <clears throat> Excuse me. You get into Rotten Tomatoes. All critics gave it a 58. Top gave it a 57. And the audience gave it an 80. I have a huge problem with this. Because I think all of those numbers are incredibly exaggerated on both ends. Yeah. I think that this movie should be like a 70, if you want to be, or like a 72. I don't... I mean, I guess I get it. Because you and I talk about how that percentage is just like, if you liked it or didn't. And it's an it's like 58 out of 100 people liked it. Yeah. Which I actually think is not that crazy to say. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, this movie does miss a lot. It is a little bit long. It falls a little flat. It doesn't pay off quite as much as you want. Um, and, and it does have moments where you watch it and you feel like it's a B movie. It feels like it's a straight-to-TV to movie. So I guess it makes sense. Um, but what is this you put right here? Rocho Films, the film's Australian distributor, dumped the local release, only putting it in two cinemas because they just weren't having it? Yeah, I guess so. I, I think, you know, it just it was an interesting point to me that, like, that sort of... I think it's just interesting to point out because I think as movie fans, there are there are the people that really read into this stuff and they understand the movie business and how it works. And then there's the people that don't really get it and they don't understand that there's investors that make the mo- they make the movie, they put up the money, they pay the salary of the people involved, the movie gets made. Then the movie has to get bought by someone. In some cases, the movie gets bought before it's made because the names involved and the people involved are big enough. So somebody wants to be the, the person that owns the movie. Mm-hmm. Then a distribution company has to pick it up. And then they have to decide, okay, where are we going to put the movie out? You know, who's, How are we going to do this? Is it going to be a digital campaign? We have to hire a marketing campaign. So what people don't realize is that like Roadshow Films, they decided to distribute the film in Australia... They didn't have enough faith in the movie to distribute it and put it in theaters and pay for the marketing campaign, yeah. and they dumped it. And like that happens. In a movie like this, it's not just a foregone conclusion that it's going to open in 4,000 theaters. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> That's how the movie business works. Yeah, Movies' success are made and broken by these type of things. And I have a couple. I have a question here um, that someone asked. One I just want to answer really quick. The reason that we care about how it does at the box office is like I get that at the end of the day as an artist, you want to be like, well, who cares how much money it makes? We care because we want more movies to be made like that. Yeah. And the only way that movies get made like that is they make money. Um, so as shitty as it is, you know, I want Blade Runner to be a massive success financially so that we can have great films that are like that in the future. The other question is, is what is the biggest complaint? What is the biggest thing that is wrong with The Foreigner? One thing. What is it? I'm saying length. 
That's you? Yeah, it's me. Biggest thing that's wrong is, is length. Um, I think biggest biggest thing for me that's wrong with it is, as much as I think he does a great job in it, I don't buy Jackie Chan in this movie. Fair. It's not, it's not that he does a bad job with it. It's not even that the movie suffers because of it. It just doesn't it doesn't market well for that reason, and it doesn't feel when I'm... The trailer works, but yeah. when I'm watching the movie, he's not like... I think if you made it a Pierce Brosnan movie with Jackie Chan as the villain anti-hero, it could have been a better film. Somehow, yeah, something. Some, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but just something about it. A lot of people said to me, you know, I'm not going to see that movie because I don't buy Jackie Chan in that. I buy him when I'm watching it enough yeah. to not think that he's ruining it for me, but I just don't buy the movie. The movie, like, kind of just falls flat for me. I think, I think the other thing is that this movie didn't take itself... It took itself too seriously. You know, I, th- I think that's one of the other biggest problems is that yeah. you look at, like, Taken... Taken has a sense of humor. Taken, yeah. like, understands... And even though it's not like it tries to play to the humor, it gets that it's, it's like, a bit of a joke. Yes. Yeah. Fully. And this movie kind of didn't... Even, like, Taken, w- with, like, discussing, you know, hu- human trafficking, which is, like, a very real issue in the world, there's something about human trafficking and the way that it's portrayed in that movie and, like, the, the remnants of IRA conflict in Britain that, like feels too serious and complicated. Human trafficking mm-hmm. is a simple concept for people. It's people who are being sold. It's a horrible thing. The IRA, if you ask most people, can you explain to me like the the, the, con- the former conflict with the IRA? I couldn't even give you an explanation right, right now. Like a truly accurate one. It's like it's like political minutiae. You have to really completely understand like warring factions within countries to be able to actually give frame of reference for people. And I think that kind of thing, hmm. it can work in a born movie. It doesn't really work when you're doing a revenge movie with Jackie Chan trying to, like, avenge his dead daughter. Like, it's, it's just it's a little too serious. Saying. It's a little too serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it for sure. Uh, all right. So, uh, moving on. Favorite line? Yeah, I said mine already. It was definitely the dog's just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog's sleeping. <laughs> That's so good. I think I just had the one that I wrote down, and it was uh, it was early. And there's a couple good ones, but it was, um, yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, whether you grab a snake by the head or the tail, you're still grabbing a snake. Yeah. And he's like, well, it does matter what tags you grab because one of, them's, one of them will fucking bite you. Yeah. You know, and you're like, Ugh. I yeah. just thought it was cool. It was just like one of those like lame movie metaphors that was executed well. Yeah, right. And I was like, this is a movie and I like it. You know? <laughs> so that was me. <laughs> is there some part of you that watches this movie and is just like, I just want to be one of those henchmen in like a month in a, in a month from now. I just like want to be in a movie like a, just like this. Like I want to just like, dude. I just want. Movie. I should have just been the nephew. Like yeah. I would just love to <laughs> yeah. be the nephew or like something yeah. like that. Of course, yeah. man. Because you, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I just want to run around in the woods with a gun. Just run around in the woods with a gun and just fight Jackie Chan. Talking that killed by him. Talking the accent. Talking the accent. Yeah. Uh, so I think we actually covered most of our AMA questions. The ones we wanted to talk about about you know Chan and whether we thought his stunts now or then are more important. You know, and we covered about like. Um, I think I think something quickly to address before we get into uh, which of the three categories is that the reason that I got taken out of this film a little bit is that you know it's Jackie Chan distinctly playing against type, which is which is you know he's decided to do here. He's going to be a badass. He's going to go Liam Neeson and taken. Oh. This is something that we see sometimes, and sometimes it works, other times it doesn't. But when our heroes go ahead and play against type, they distinctly make the decision. And and he said in the interviews I watched about this film that he decided to play against type in this movie. He wanted to have a meaty role where he was taken seriously, and he does a great job. I mean, he, you know, when he when he's in the room in his in his daughter's room, you know, it was a heartbreaking moment. Yeah, it you was know? heartbreaking in there, and I I mean, I, I cried, I teared up at the end, too, even when he got back, even though it was, like, so cliche, it was just the reaction of her and the look on his face was yeah. just, like, I was I was very uh, touched. Yeah, um, so I can think of some good examples, and I just wanted to run over a few with you. What are, what are some of your favorites as well? Um, 
So I know we both talked about Will Ferrell, and you wanted to say Everything Must Go, but I actually went for Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Uh, they're both, I mean, Everything Must Go is definitely more of a stretch. It's darker, yeah. It's much darker, but I, Will Ferrell's a phenomenal actor, yeah. and everyone forgets that, um, and you and he's a, an incredible dramatic actor. So that was that was the first one that popped in my head. The other one was Williams and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, which is the first departure, and then he gets even deeper a few years later. And, and that was like, I mean... That's one of the greatest performances ever on camera. Yeah, Goodwill. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. amazing. And he's even pretty good. He's pretty good at Insomnia and One Hour Photo. Like he, he does a good. He's a great actor. So mm. it's just harder to buy him there. Uh, for me, some of the ones that stand out. I remember, you know, Eddie Murphy doing Dreamgirls was one that I, I remember oh, really yeah. enjoying. He's, Marlon Wayans in uh, in Requiem was yeah. amazing. He's really good in that. Um, you know, I, I think there there's definitely been some some interesting ones. What I was trying to think of is like the other way when a dramatic actor goes and you know tries to go into a genre that like isn't their genre one that came to mind for me was adrian brody and predators which was such a weird oh, move yeah. when he did it right because it was like you're like an oscar-winning like Zania for model. one of the most depressing movies ever yeah like yeah. you're a guy that's like you know that's what your mo is is like you're a really serious dramatic actor and he's like i'm gonna gain a bunch of weight and get jacked and go make predators it's yeah like, what yeah, the other one people mention is Carrie and Eternal Sunshine. I know you like That's that. That's a great one. Uh, I was actually going to say this, but Paul and Sarah beat me to it. Um, Sandler and Punch Drunk Love oh, is he's also really, he's a, really a good in that. cool departure. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, so those are some of our favorites. I mean, do you have any more you want to just toss in there real quick? No, I think, I think you know, I think one one that's fun for me is, um, and it's not even a role specifically as much as it's just a career choice. When Alec Baldwin started consistently yes. doing comedy, yeah. he, he, when he switched away from, first of all, being like a leading man and then being like a real serious you know the edge kind of actor to just straight up embracing comedy and he was just so good at it yeah um charlie's has done it to me a couple times because her career's been so weird yeah because she kind of can do anything and we know that but like i remember when i saw her in monster it seemed like you're too beautiful to take this role on right, it just right. didn't seem like the role that that type of woman would take at that point in her career which when she did it i i respected her incredibly and, and you know like she was rewarded for it great it's like one of the great roles on film greatest we've ever seen <laughs> and then her coming in mad max you yeah. know, 15 years later was one of those things where it was like, here she is again. And For it sure. blow, blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, guys, that's the, that's what we want to talk about. So the last, last thing, one, Forte in Nebraska is, is a cool one to mention. Oh, and he's a buddy it. of ours. Yeah. It's a very good film. Uh, last thing, guys, there are three action movie categories here. Uh, I think that this... Hmm, interesting. I was uh, like, sorry to say the pitch. Those, those <laughs> categories are uh, totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Uh, in my opinion... I'm very curious. I think this movie's totally ridiculous. Really? I think so. Oh my god, why? It doesn't hold together well enough to be totally legit. Yeah. It doesn't make me laugh at almost at all to be ridiculously legitimate. There's right. like two scenes in the whole movie that even make me smile. For the most part, it's just like a ridiculous action movie that takes itself really seriously. Man, that's tough. That's tough because you make a good point, and I can't argue against it. I will disagree and say that I'm ridiculously legitimate because I was much more sold on the whole thing. Sure. But there was definitely moments where it fell apart. It was a little too long. Um, it did miss its mark just a little bit. So I'm, I'm actually shocked that you said totally ridiculous, but I'm, I'm, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So last but not least on the show here, guys, we have something called The Pitch. Wow. And guys, unfortunately for your sakes, we will not be doing a show next week. We have missed three weeks ever on this show, and two of them are holidays. Uh, it's just one of those things where Ben and I are super busy. I'm out of town this weekend. I'm going to be in Denver performing at the Denver Improv Festival with my team Air Force Fun. So if you live in Denver... 
please God, come grab a drink with me. Come watch the show, and then you're going to be out of town. Yeah, um, I'm gone once I get back. Yes, I leave Sunday, and I'm gone until Thursday. So we're taking a week off, guys. Um, with that in mind, go ahead and find us on Facebook, the Action Movie Anatomy fan page. We're going to be putting up a poll on Twitter where you can find us at AMA Podcast. We'll be asking for suggestions there for movies we want to do. Probably something older. Yeah, and, people have uh, been talking about Geostorm, but I don't know about that. We'll we'll see. We got you know a week and a half to figure it out. We got a bunch of time. We'll figure out a movie. We'll figure out you know watch something new, watch something old. And tell us what we should watch. Action movie anatomy. Uh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you two weeks from now, same time, same place. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.